0: One Broke Actress Podcast. I am your host, Sam Valentine, bringing you episode nine of season six. Wow. All right. Let's get a little real for a second. I absolutely thought that uh, when it was almost July, I guess I thought by the time we were to episode nine of this season, we would have some more concrete answers. We would have some sort of mental wraparound of what living in the new normal with COVID looked like. But it kind of feels like right now we are just going backwards um, and that things are getting worse before they get better. So this is just a public service announcement to, one, wear a fucking mask, but two, um, really appreciate your health right now and check on those around you. I know in the beginning of this whole thing, it really felt like we were all banded together and we were all taking care of each other. And I think we kind of lost that. Uh, in the frustration and the time and the loss that people have experienced. So, if this can be a little reminder, check on someone you love, check on someone you don't love, continue participating in the movement of Black Lives Matter, continue making phone calls, you know, continue saving your money because the end of July is fast approaching and so is that little bump on unemployment. And don't worry, I am also very concerned. So, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're following at One Broke Actress. I started sharing some of the journey I have started with my movie that's still doing really well at the box office. I hired my first PR agent. I am applying to new agents, which is not something that I thought I would be doing right now, but, you know, you got to strike while the iron's hot or while your name's somewhere on IMDb, I guess. So make sure you guys are following along there because I'm sharing a lot of that as we go. So... But, you know, I think what we really need is someone with an incredibly positive attitude, someone who can put on quite a show and someone who can bring us all up and lift us up in this time. Oh, my gosh. What a great segue. I'm just going to pat myself on the back for this one because this episode is especially for all my theater kids out there. Today's podcast features Sedani Smith. If you look up Sadani, you will not only find a shit ton of musical theater credits, you will find amazing Instagram content. You'll find her online courses. You'll also find one of the hardest working people I think I've had to talk to on this podcast. She not only started out in the world of music in general, she decided to go against the grain, change all of her studies last minute. As she felt like it, she talks about seeing open doors and opportunities very in line with every actor i know if you are searching for something inspiring if you're searching for someone to follow who has a lot to offer you in terms of getting to know your heart yourself and finding your drive this is the episode for you so donnie also shares how she got across the pond as they say that was a terrible british accent sam don't do that how she became where she is now, which is acting all over Europe. She's currently in Germany, so we recorded this episode at 11 a.m. LA time and 8 p.m. in Germany. On this episode, we talk a lot about body image Sedani shares with us, the way she has learned to love herself on stage commitments require a lot out of your body beyond just aesthetics and how she has learned to really, really focus on her own self-care. She has some very great morning tips for you that I think you guys are going to really like. We also talk about stress in the business. We talk about this time of Corona and past this, what her day-to-day life is like and how she has turned her online profiles into a unique representation of herself. She has a lot of cool stuff coming up, guys. I am so excited to introduce you. Without further ado, please enjoy Sadani Smith. So we are off to the races, and this is Sadani Smith. Did I get that right? That's perfect. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Such an awesome name. So Thanks. I was so excited to get to talk to you um because I spoke with your PR rep first, and she's very kind by the way and uh, and I once I started to look you up and get to know you, I was so impressed with the fact that you started out uh, do, doing um, violin in Miami and now you are across the world doing <laughs> doing musical theater and and Broadway shows. i I would love to hear how. How that even happened, so the audience can get a sense of what kind of inspirational person you are.
1: Oh, sure. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And I'd love to tell you my superhero origin story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't plan it. And I think that is the beauty of how um, everything, um, one thing led to another. I just, I call it following the open doors because I grew up doing. Um, simply music living, you know, that orchestra life. I was an orchestra nerd and, uh, I was blessed to go to performing arts schools my whole life since first grade all the way through. And so I was taking music theory and I got to take a little bit of dance and a little bit of, um, visual art in, um, first, second and third grade. And then in fourth grade, I was supposed to choose a path. I was supposed to pick my lane in fourth um, grade, in fourth grade when I was nine, so and you it was decide, you know, which art was gonna be mine, and um, I was obviously gonna do drama because that's what I wanted to do. And I wrote down my little list, and I I can still like see the the order that I wrote it down in. And I took it home to be signed because that's what kids do. And um, mom said no. My mom said absolutely not. You cannot do drama because you're too shy and you're gonna cry if you don't get a part, you know. And in music, oh. everybody gets a part. So. You do music, and so I have had to have I have had to have a couple of come to Jesus moments with myself over that, but it worked out so beautifully because I ended up learning the violin and the viola, and it kind of became my world. Um, in middle school, I became a composer, and I found that I could write music, and I started writing lots of string quartets. And by the time I got to high school, I was writing symphonies with whole orchestra and and full choir and that was my path like I wanted to film score and do that kind of thing and uh so I went off to college to study viola performance and uh, mm. uh audience if you don't know what a viola is it is it looks a lot like a violin it's slightly bigger and um, it's the alto voice of the string family so your violin would be your soprano viola would be alto cello would be tenor voice and then your upright bass is the bass voice so I was a violist classical and um on my way to, uh, yeah, to study on a full ride to a really great school. And so uh, <laughs> the best way I can describe how this crazy big switch happened, it was like a light went on and something in me just knew that I needed to try theater. And I was already a senior and I was doing well in my program. Um, and so I had to disappoint a lot of people. My, my professors were not into it. Uh, I thought I'd lost my mind. I had to relinquish my scholarship because I wanted to, I wanted to take theater classes. And that meant my class load had to shift and I couldn't take as many, I couldn't take lessons every week and I couldn't take um, every single orchestra ensemble that was required to keep my scholarship. And so I went to the dean's office and I relinquished my scholarship. And um, they told me that I would never be cast, that I was throwing away my life. Um, But sometimes you just No, um and i i maintained that even if i was incorrect i mean i could have retraced my steps and and you know finished my degree in another way but i just knew and so i just got into every acting workshop i could find i spent my little money that i got you know from teaching violin lessons around town and um i tried to volunteer to run crew i remember they were doing two gems of verona in the theater school at my university and they used a lot of confetti and I was like this is my in I'm gonna get to sweep the stage you know and they told me no they had enough people to sweep the stage and so that was my first <laughs> my first like rejection in the theater they wouldn't me <laughs> <you> sweep up <laughs> but, um funnily enough in that very that very university where I was told you know you're a string player you've never sung or danced or acted before what are you doing you'll never be cast Actually, my first paid job was from that very university, which I think is so it's such a beautiful picture of what happens when you ignore the naysayers, because, you know, it's not normal for students to be paid for performing at the the university, but it really was in summer, I got called, uh, someone called me in and asked me if I would be interested in playing a musical that involved fiddling. And I was like, yes, I can, I can fiddle while singing. I can fiddle while dancing. I can do all the things if you want me to, but I will only come in. If you let me sing for you, (laughs) I I will not, um, I will not take this contract unless you let me audition um and I went in and I auditioned for the two leads that I was appropriate for and I didn't get them but my role got bumped up and so rather than being kind of in the pit which is where I grew up I grew up playing lots of musical theater from the pit I got to sing and I had a name and that was my first paid gig right there at that university that told me I would never ever be cast and I thought Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm onto something. (laughs) That's (laughs) amazing. I'm curious how your since your your
0: you said your mom at the beginning, when you were in fourth grade, was like, No, 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 we're not doing this. Did
1: your parents support change and grow throughout your college then? My parents are a little bit hands-off about uh the big decisions I make with my life. And I think that is a blessing of mine. Sometimes it makes me feel like they don't care. Mm-hmm. Um, mom, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I love you very much. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I know that there is a level of trust in there too, because when I did say, you know, hey mom, I'm going to change my major from the world performance and all of these thousands of hours that I've spent practicing and, you know, I don't know how many hundreds of hours you've spent driving me around to different rehearsals. I want to be an actress. And she was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and um, later on when I had the opportunity to move to Germany, she said, okay, um, and I'm really grateful for that. I feel like they have never needed to understand, but what I have learned um, from disappointing other people in my family, I really had, I had some relatives that were crying. I've made everybody upset over Christmas dinner um, because uh, it can be important Uh, especially in the black community, you know, to be doing something so prestigious. I was at an incredible university. I was a classical musician. I was top of my class. I was doing really, really well. Mm -hmm. And, um, I did have an aunt or two who said, you know, don't let them beat your dreams out of you. But I just knew, I just knew that I had to try this and I didn't know how it was going to work or if it was going to work. Um, but, um, I have learned, uh, to not be afraid to disappoint people for the time being and also not to really be too irritated with those who don't believe in you because, you know, when you have a vision, you, the vision is through your eyes. <clears throat> the vision is through your eyes and if they can't see through your eyes, how can they have your vision? You know, my my guidance counselor who said I would never be cast, it made a lot of sense. It was very logical what he was telling me. He was trying to save my life and save some money and, you know, maybe some humiliation. Um, and you know, that kind of person who is outside of your vision, they need proof. And I didn't make it my mission to prove anything to him, but I understood and I moved right along and I did the thing. Um, So yeah, I'm really grateful for my parents' sort of um, kind of faith in me, not necessarily that they thought I was gonna (laughs) uh, be successful in it, but in that they were just allowing me to to live my life. I appreciate that a lot.
0: I'm, I'm also curious if you don't mind me asking how, um, like it tends to be from, from the schools that I've been to and that I was a part of, like I was a part of my theater department. I went to school for theater as well, um, by not, not musical theater. Um, but, uh, was it an extremely diverse school? Because my school was almost completely white. It was in the middle of Missouri. And I think that was to their detriment in so many ways, so I was curious for you in your entire schooling in the artistic community, if you were if you were around a lot of people who were Black, who were Asian, who were like, did you get
1: a different mix of cultures? I really did. I grew up in Miami, and Miami is super diverse. Mm-hmm. It was in the 90s, and it is even more so now. Um, and so I, you know, in my orchestras, you know, when I'm at home, home, I was surrounded by. Um, you know, Jews and Gentiles and, and, and Latinos and, and, and Black kids and lots of, like, Caribbean kids. My mom's from Jamaica. And so, um, but people from everywhere and not, um, you know, not just um, one country in Latin America, but all of them. And then right. um, it was really, um, it was very, very normal for me. Um, but then I would have moments where I, I did a lot of um, competing musically where I would... um Go to an all-state orchestra, and suddenly I was all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, I would walk into an audition and uh, realize that people were surprised that I play so well, and or speak so well, and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those are things that you definitely do take in. You take in if you're if you're seven. You take in if you're 17, um, and you just kind of get a feeling. Ah, oh, this is how the world works. Gotcha good to know. Um, it was, to me, it didn't feel oppressive, but it felt like there were more eyes on me, uh, whether that was positive or negative, there were more yeah. eyes on me for sure.
0: Yeah. I was curious if you yeah. felt like you had to work harder in to, you know, to, to, cause to me, when someone's like, Oh, she can't, like, I don't first see her doing this. I'm like, Oh, Watch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I get, I get nervous with that. I really am, like my mom said, you know, I'm too shy for that. No, I'm not shy anymore, but I'm still an introvert. And so that, um, that kind of motivation kind of causes me to shrink, whereas mm-hmm. I feel expanded personally when I'm just focused on my own goal. I like to say that I love to win, but I hate to compete. And it is a competitive market. And I want the thing, like I always want the thing. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, li- I literally cannot look left or right because that is so, I, I, I would much rather give a present that's just so good and this would really change her life. And so then I start to, I start to shrink. So I've got um, to <laughs> focus on the thing.
0: You mentioned being an introvert, which I think is really interesting because that's not something that's usually associated with anybody in our business. How is that for you, especially as an adult functioning in this business, you know, because there's an expe- expectation that you are, especially as a musical theater person, to be like really big all the time.
1: It is exhausting. I say <laughs> that I've made my entire living for extroverts and I need a nap. It is really tiring, um, but it is, I want to encourage all my introverts out there that it isn't Asset, You know, I did grow up uh, hearing from relatives and colleagues that my, my personality wasn't enough, that it isn't big enough. And they didn't even think, and they had no idea I was going to perform one day. They just thought that I needed to just take up a little bit more space. And I'll give them, I'll give them this. I did need to learn to take up more space, but my personality is perfect. You know, I was built this way, and um, I am a natural listener, which is, to me, half my job, you know, to listen and authentically respond. I can't not. I feel like I can't not because I'm built that way. Like, I want to go deep immediately. Uh, when I meet somebody, I really don't want to know about your sweater or the weather. I want to know about your childhood, and I think that really <laughs> – Dude, I do the same thing. <laughs> really – it scares people, but it serves me well in the job that I do. I like to go deep. And a lot of these things that my beautiful, beautiful colleagues that are extroverts, um, you know, excel at, it's not that I can't do it. It's that I've got to go recharge. i got to plug in if I'm going to do it again, you know. Mm -hmm. So whereas I will give you, I feel the same energy on a stage, I won't give you the same energy at the stage door because it's just not me. Um, You're going to feel my heart. I love you but I don't have any more show on me after 1130. <laughs> All done. Have you had to, uh,
0: has that changed how you like structure your days when you have something like an audition or a show, or you do have to be like really cognizant of your personal energy?
1: I do. Um, I am very warm, but I have learned to um Honor my own boundaries, especially at an audition, because their auditions have a feeling of a reunion too, you know, especially when you've been in the business this long. I have been working Germany, Austria, Switzerland for eleven years now, and um congratulations when you come, thank you That's um, when you come back to a certain roles especially roles that are you know for people of color, you're getting back in the room with people that you love you know that you haven't seen since we did blah 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 mm-hmm. four years ago in Vienna, right. Um, but as much as I love them, I'm going to call them on Facebook messenger later. I cannot, like, cause I only have a certain amount of juice in this can and I, I gotta, I gotta drink it in the room where, where, where they, you know, where they make the decisions. Um, and so I definitely have had to, um, do the uncomfortable thing and set my boundaries. There have been people who've been like, oh, I saw, um, I saw the, the choreography because I went to see the show in London, you know, before it came to Germany, because it, it's always the same directors and always the same, it's the same show. It's just being uh-huh. translated and transplanted. Um, and that's something that I don't like to do. Like, I don't like to read reviews. I don't like to see the choreography ahead of time. I just want to learn it in the room. And I've had to uh, really at auditions put my foot down and tell people, no, I really am serious. I need you to back up. I love you very much, but can you back up? <laughs> oh, waiting um, rooms are like a whole thing, man,
0: with like yeah. the amount of – it's everyone has their own style, and everyone's like bringing that style to the room. And it's like – it's a lot.
1: It's a lot. And I, I have friends that need to chat. Like they need to get out their nervous energy by talking. Um, But there's a way for them to do that. You know, I don't have to sacrifice – uh, what I need, uh, for them to get what they need, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's a really, it's a really cool community. Um, you know, I'm happy for, I'm happy for the winner. Um, and I'm happy if it's me, uh, but I, I just want to, I want to do my best because that's what's in my hands. You know, I really can't make them want me. I can decide to want me myself, you know, and present (laughs) the most, the most centered, um, version of myself that believes in me that believes in this actress um and so I just set myself up to deliver excellently and then I go home and then take a nap (laughs) Mm -hmm. and take a nap
0: um can you kind of talk us through how you get to be a traveling European member of Broadway
1: shows how does
0: this even happen (laughs) it's so wild I
1: can can tell you how it happened for me Mm um uh I was in grad school because, you know, I did finish my degree. I finished on time. Thank you, God. Um, I just switched from being a performance major in viola to being a music major, just generally, so I could take all of the acting classes, right? So um, I still hadn't studied theater properly, and I got it in my head that the only way to become proficient at a thing was to get a degree. So I think that's kind of indoctrinated in us, um, but it's not true. Spoiler alert, it's not true.
0: I have a lot of friends who are also thinking the same thing in grad school right now. (laughs)
1: Nothing against getting, there's nothing against getting a degree. Um, I have one. I think they're, you know, part of the American dream. I think that they are valuable and they're stepping stones, but there are so many ways to become proficient at things. And if we get into the idea that the only way to be an expert is to you know get an MBA. We would never start any of the things. You wouldn't have a podcast because I don't know what certificate program there is in podcasting. You would kind of feel like you had to wait a year and apply and hopefully get into the school of your choice to do the things that are on your heart to do. And that that's not the vision. So um, I did. I uh, worked for a little bit uh, and I was working at a grad school that had um, a, a great acting program, and so I was you know auditioning and being part of. What they did and learning the most I could. What but, school was this, by the way? Oh, I was in Virginia. I was in okay. Regent University. I didn't attend. I, I worked at the university, and so I could sometimes kind of audition for things. Um, but the school that I did decide to go to was University of Central Florida, and I was in their MFA musical theater program, and um, I was there for two semesters, um, and then a crazy thing happened. It was the next golden open door um there was an audition uh i didn't even know i just went to my regular you know acting two class and uh, a lady was there doing a workshop a building workshop vocal technique and um we all sang for her and she offered me a spot at a three-week workshop in the alps and um long story short even though i couldn't afford it and didn't have time i said yes because it just it was just an open door, an incredible open door. Um, and uh, when I decided to go, the money came in. It was really incredible. So I flew to the south of Germany, had never been to Europe before. And um, part of the three-week workshop was a weekend up in Hamburg um, at Stage Entertainment, which is the biggest producer of musical theater in Europe so if you're wow. if you're looking at um European theater stage entertainment, you want to write them down. um They're the big dogs, and so it was a mock audition because this was an educational program, but I was hoping i mean I got to the Hamburg harbor and across the water there is the island that they built for the theater for Lion King and you know not like any old like the Lion King it was the it's the same exact show except. They sing in German and Zulu, of course, because it's the Lion King. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's the same font. It just says, De instead of <laughs> the Lion King. And so I was like, oh, maybe this is my chance. Maybe I can get a job. Like, I know this is like a mock audition, but I'm going to go in there. I'm going to sing Shadowland. I'm going to give them all the, the African lion I can. And um, they didn't offer me a job that day, but they offered me a space in their conservatory. So this production company had a school and I was right in the middle of grad school, you know, (laughs) it's like, ah, but they had one spot for a woman. Couldn't be older than 25. I had just turned 25 two weeks before and school was starting in three weeks. And I still had two weeks left to go of this, this, you know, Alps workshop, um, open door. Of course I took it. So I went home, I sold everything I owned and I moved to Germany and I started school in German. I love this. Yeah. couple weeks later. Um, Wait, did you already so, speak German? I don't think I asked. No. You okay. No, I didn't. Not a word. Um, and, <laughs> That's even okay. crazier. Yeah, I know. Um, but th- there are <laughs> crazy, like, it's, it's not always linear or logical. It's usually not linear. And it's almost never logical. The things that you you know, here's the thing, friends, we're such brave people. Anybody who believes that they can make make believe for a living is super brave. So don't listen to this story and think I could never do it. Yeah, you could. You already have an aversion. You already have, like, you know, we want, we 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 create reality out of things that don't actually exist and people pay us for that. Like, we are super brave. You know, <laughs> and we, we walk around and tell other people that that's our profession. And I'm not making, I'm not trying to belittle what we do, I think it's amazing what we do. I think that we're heroes um, because I have read over and over that people are more afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. So, you know, we, we literally, um, we're, we're pretty darn afraid. Anyway, so I started school in Hamburg without knowing a word of German uh, three weeks later. And uh, in the first two semesters of school, I learned the language. It was really important for me to, learn without an accent and be fluent and so i took all my classes except for my voice lessons my, my voice teacher was american and she did spare me you know that one hour of, of you know translating everything in my head all the time um yeah i i took school in german and i i wiped out that american accent and then i got my first contract um yeah. Right now they have a stage portal. It's um, the stage app. Uh, I'll send you the link, Sam, and then you can put it in the show notes. And that's where they post their auditions and you can apply online. System's a little bit different. Um, there are very few open calls. It's you apply specifically for a role. Um, so if they're writing out Wicked, you would say, um, I'm very interested in auditioning for the role of Elphaba. Um, I'd be very happy to get an, um, an appointment and then you wait to hear back, and then you go, um, which is very – it's helpful because unlike Broadway, we're not dealing with a street. We're dealing with a continent, and so the first round could be in Zurich. The next round could be in Hamburg, maybe Vienna. Like it's a lot of flying back and forth, and so it's great to know if they're interested in you <laughs> um, by sending sending your things because if you get there and they're like, we're only seeing alphabets that are under 5'4", then I've wasted my time so. and airfare. <laughs> yeah, and my euros. <laughs> yeah.
0: This so once this started to be, have how long have you been there now? How long have you been up, living overseas? So you've that's what right, you said, eleven years. Mm-hmm. In eleven years, have you ever once been like, actually, I think I'd like to go do this in English at home?
1: <laughs> Is yes. it hard? Yeah, I have, I have done it twice. And when I look back, for me, it was burnout, actually.
0: Mm.
1: I I actually needed to take a break and not, and not like, stop altogether. And um, the first time I did come home, well um, not directly I, I was in Southern California I lived in Anaheim for two periods of six months okay. um, and that was really fun and I was all full-time on YouTube and uh, learned a whole lot about social media and you know how how to be myself but still um, grow on social media you know kind of do all the right things but also be authentically me <laughs> I thought you um, have a workshop
0: on that online as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm teaching one tomorrow on Instagram, actually. Um, oh, awesome. So it was kind of a yeah, it was it was a departure that was super useful because it helped me accidentally build a brand um, because I just wanted to make really good music and I tried to find out how to get more and more people to see good music um, and that's how I built my brand online. Um and I did step away from performing in German um for those two periods of six months. And and recently again I got really I was really exhausted and I thought, is it that I wanna come home? Um but I caught it this time and realized I just needed a break. And funnily enough, um I decided to take that break. I canceled a lot of things that I had um planned and booked. Um, and actually this is not funny at all, but then corona hit you know, and then I, I had a break for real, for real. And, um, so I am actually using it to, um, beef up my online courses that I'm teaching. I'm working on a second one right now. The first one's on stage fright and the second one is on body image. And I'm super excited about that. Cause it's got a lot to say. Um, and, um, because of the mindset work I've been doing in between, especially in the moments when I've taken my breaks, um, I just have a lot to share, and I have a lot of tools that have helped me um, survive su- success and survive failure um, in this business because I feel like su- success and failure are are the same kind of hard actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and And when you go to school or if you learn on your feet or however, you learn to be proficient, proficient in your craft. There's not always time to learn how to take care of you while being really excellent. Um, not in school. There's just really, there's just no time. You know, yeah, I, I feel I, like
0: we're also kind of taught that if you don't, like, keep striking while the iron is still hot, that you're never actually working hard enough.
1: Right. Yep, and I think this working hard enough is a myth. I think that actually some of the gratitude that um, we've been taught is uh, not conducive to self-love. Sometimes we we learn to just take it and just leave everything on the floor. I don't think you have to leave everything to be brilliant because, you know, how many times can you leave everything before you have nothing? We're trying to do this long-term, right? You know, and this, yeah, this stuff comes from our heart. And so if we beat ourselves up to do it, well, how long can we do it? I feel like there's a unique,
0: um, excuse me. I feel like there's something unique about, about musical theater as well about musicals in general that you are often in like filming and in on TV and movies and stuff. Some days you'll maybe have 10 lines, (laughs) that's not the case with what you're working on so how it's just such a uniquely intense situation how what are your like self-care things that you have to do like take me through like a day a non-coronavirus day um of work mm -hmm. for you
1: Um, let's see. Oh, it's been a, it's been a minute. Um, I typically go to bed at two and wake up at 10, um, to make sure I get a nice, you know, seven practical hours because I, I, I still haven't mastered falling asleep super quickly. (laughs) It's on my (laughs) list. Um, but, um, I try to make the beginning of the day for me. Um, one thing that I learned When I was in a rep theater, and so I was um, basically, I belonged to a specific house and I played all of their musicals for the season. That was a different sleeping schedule because we'd have rehearsals starting at 10. Um, And I found myself, because I lived near the theater, getting up at nine, showering, you know, warming up and getting there. And I don't do that anymore because it felt like I was living my life for that theater. I was pledging allegiance to the theater, and I was like, what if I got up for me? What if I got up? And um, stepped outside and breathed the air that wasn't in my apartment, you know, or read something that I wanted to. And I, I do have perfectionist tendencies. And so what I have learned with my morning routine is that I don't have to do it perfectly. I don't have to do all five super important things that, you know, Gandhi and Mother Teresa did every day to make them awesome. I have a menu of things that make me feel good. And I pick some of them Mm -hmm. and that what, that's what works for me. Um, so today I journaled and, you know, I used to kind of berate myself for not journaling every day. Um, but I found that I don't have to today. I journaled and it really, really did me good. Um, and I, (laughs) one of the, I don't, I probably read this on Instagram somewhere, but it means so much to me. The idea of drinking your coffee with two hands, like as in not (laughs) being on your phone, it just like hit
0: me really hard
1: <laughs> yeah isn't it good like mm-hmm. i just i'm not talking to the people i am not consuming what the people have said or what the government has said or what the protest has said or what my family has said not that it's unimportant but it's unimportant for me first thing in the morning because i pick me first thing in the morning um and so i i know it's not Possible for everyone every day. Some people have kids. Some people have a schedule that is just too crazy, and they have maybe, like, um, a of shift at, at 6, you know. Uh, so maybe you can't get up two or three hours earlier. You wouldn't be sleeping at night. But do something that makes it so that you're getting up for you in the morning. That is super important. I take stock of how I'm feeling physically because, um, depending on the show, it's really, it's really hard on your body, you know, for a show like, um, Tina Turner is a show that's running in, in several countries at once, right now, well, you know, it's Corona time, um, as we're recording this, but it's, uh, it would have been running on Broadway on the West End in Hamburg and in, um, Utrecht in Holland and it is brutal. It is a really, really hard show. And so, um, people singing tons of Tina Turner songs or in my case, I did uh, *The bodyguard for three years and so Mm -hmm. singing 14, 14 Whitney Houston songs live every night and dancing and flying and doing all of the things you got to take stock and see how you're doing because you're not superhuman. Yeah. No matter how many people write that you are or, you know, or you want to prove that you are, um, And so I take stock. How is my voice doing? Where do I need to invest more? I, you know, if, if I need, um, to invest in, um, you know, there's physical therapy at, at the theaters, thankfully, but if I need more, I've got to figure out how to negotiate it or pay for it myself. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, same thing with my voice or with, you know, anything going on with me. Um, and, uh, once again, I'm back to boundaries. You gotta, you gotta, and this was hard for me. You gotta know how to say no and let go of how people react to it.
0: Mm, yeah. Did that because close off a lot of, uh, like social friendship time and stuff for you? Setting your boundaries and keeping your health at like maximum level?
1: Um, yes and no. Okay. Uh, to me, it just sorted out the friendships that, that I really, really wanted to have. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is so okay with me. And yeah. I, I, I sometimes cringe at the, you know, I'd rather have four quarters and a hundred pennies quote, because I don't want to call anybody a penny, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes there are, there are friendships that are just mutually beneficial. There, there are friendships that, uh, when you leave, you feel the same or better, then when you went into the conversation and there are other ones that you know, you are actually just saying no to yourself by saying yes to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, because I have this need to be like sweet and, and lovely and likable, I had to remind myself I am those things. I am those things even if I say I will not be coming with or I will not be able to. I am that. I don't have to prove that to anybody anymore. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I have to choose me. I have to Mm. choose me. Mm. I love that. I think those are
0: good um, things for everyone to do (laughs) (laughs) all around. Um, You mentioned that your next online workshop is going to be about body image. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we talk a little bit about that?
1: I would love to. Um, I am 70 pounds down from my highest weight, Um, and so it's something that I've thought a lot about. I grew up um, pretty overweight, which didn't, you know, didn't affect um, my future necessarily because I was a violinist, you know. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time in a practice room, probably six hours a day. And, you know, that is pretty stationary. Yes, I, you know, I did have (laughs) my arms kind of, um, (laughs) I probably had some upper body sprains that (laughs) I didn't realize (laughs) Um, but I wasn't very active. I wasn't very into it. I, I tended to stick to things that I was great at naturally, and I didn't feel very athletic, and so didn't move a lot. Um, and, um, when I started to do theater, I started to see my body change, which was an aha moment for myself because, for me, because I felt like, um, hmm, before I believed that, you know, there's, I just, you know, you are how you are, and there's nothing you can do to, uh, change it. And so that was important for me to realize, but more important than that was that I came into a beautiful space where I just liked me. And that is for me the best point of either change or staying exactly where you are happily. Um, one of the stories that I often tell um, <laughs> I'm glad that I've, I've gotten to the point where I can just be a little bit more honest. I used to be very worried about being professional, but now I'm just telling the truth. So I was at a, um, a fitting prominent show, uh, fitting my costumes for the lead takes a long time. You're standing in a room naked with a few people for hours in high heels. And I was not the only person who played this role. Um, my colleagues that also played it were much more magazine fit than I was. I was probably 40 pounds heavier than the heaviest girl there. And, um, but I, I had the job, you know, they, they gave it to me, you know, I don't get, I don't pick me, they pick me. So I was there trying on the things and, you know, it's vulnerable. you're naked. And um, we got to a point where um, I had noticed kind of snide comments about costumes that they would have to change. You know, I couldn't wear the opening crop top, they didn't want me to wear that, and they had to make a corset, and all of those things, Mm -hmm. (sighs) okay, and we got to the point where they said, okay, so that, that opening skirt is really short, do you want, do you want some tights for that, and I was like, oh yeah, please, thank you, (laughs) I'd love some tights, (laughs) and um, the next question came, okay, so what size, and from across the room, the costumer laughs and goes (laughs) large, and I was like, Extra large. <laughs> and it was the best moment of my career because I felt like I had spent, I had done the work on my mindset to know that I just liked me and it was enough. And yes, please get me my extra large tights so that I don't feel like you know, I'm showing everybody all my stuff in this show. Uh, and from there, I actually did see that, um, my, my desires kind of changed and, you know, I didn't feel like I needed to change for anybody, but I wanted to try and see if I could be consistent. Could I, because I'd never been really consistent in the gym. And I was like, look at all this. I mean, I bet you, I bet you I could get strong. I bet you I could, like, I've seen that my body changes when I do other things. So I bet you I can get super duper strong and I see how that makes my job easier. I see how that makes it easier for me to sing while I like running up these stairs and all the things they're asking me to do. And it was fun for me and I didn't yo-yo because I wasn't running away from some version of myself that I hated or found ugly. I love that girl, that girl who was like extra large, she's my hero. And so I don't feel like, you know, if I visit her again, I am, worth less, worth, you yeah, know, worth less than now, for example, yeah. and we're, you know, we're going to change. We're all, we're grown ups, and we're, we're, you know, age happens and, and life happens, Corona happens, our bodies change <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but, uh, that for me was the biggest, biggest turning point when I realized, oh my gosh, I like myself just like this. And so that helps me know that I can like myself in any version. I, in any
0: version. I'm obsessed with this story. I've had very <laughs> similar circumstances. I'm like a solid medium in a world of extra smalls. And like, <laughs> it's it's exhausting. It's It takes a lot of toll when even no one else is talking about it. Because you know that people are thinking about it. And yeah. then you're thinking about it. And you're not sure if they are, so are. If it's just your thoughts. What was it? Was it just long-term work that made you do the self-work to like yourself regardless of your size, regardless of um, your, uh, like, you know, your bookings, your, I think the actor's lives a lot of times get caught up in like, Oh, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll love myself when I, I book a show when I, you know, it all gets the
1: thing to is, me. yeah, you, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. You won't like, if you're dissatisfied, um, it's getting a thing, winning a thing, and it's not going to make you feel better. And funnily enough, um, one of my colleagues the one who really belongs on the cover of, of some like fitness champion magazine. She came to see me in my first show because she's a doll. And she was like, huh, she made a little comment and said, that's what the costume is supposed to look like. And I was like, wait a minute, what? what did you say? She, she told me that they had been giving her hell for being so short, for her legs being so short. And I was like, what in the 12 pack? Are you serious? It's you can't you you just can't win. (laughs) You gotta like you. You gotta like you because you know it it could be that I you know I could have seen her and thought okay this is enough. I need to work until I look like this girl. Um, Whereas she's like well what can I do to get taller? Hmm. Like you know it really you you got to like you. So I I would say um, that. The inner work is it can be tedious, but it's the only thing that's gonna that's gonna change the how you see yourself. Um, and uh so those mornings for yourself, they totally add up. Um, and so that's what I'm gonna be talking, I'm gonna be breaking down in the course, you know, the things that I did and the things that um, people that I really respect have done to help them build that mindset so that um so that you just like you you just like you and really see your worth in this beautiful temple that carries you around and carries your art and your heart everywhere mm-hmm. um I also am excited to delve into um body image when it comes into um hair texture and skin tone mm-hmm. and other things you know and otherness that sometimes is stressed upon you you know um it's a really important and exciting topic to be honest about. And I think that as um, professional artists, we're allowed to be more honest than we will realize. Mm, that's amazing.
0: Are you, uh, when, when are you starting that? I want to make sure everyone knows. Uh, I'm hoping to have it up in the next three weeks. Okay, perfect. Perfect. Cause mm-hmm. this will probably go out right about then. <laughs> Yay! I think that's awesome. I think it's, especially there is just this uh, right now, because there aren't places to go audition or at least not, you know, nothing of, of, of multiple occurrences. Um, yeah. it feels like things can feel stagnant, which I think actors tend to, you wrote a great article I read about, um, you know, during Corona time, trying to feel productive all the time and how it's mm-hmm. a little, not the greatest idea. Um, and, uh, and I think we're all trying to like, Oh, you know, as soon as, it's like, we think there's a switch that we're going to flip on. It's like, okay, no longer Corona time and everyone gets to go back to work and hope you better be in the best shape of your life and in the best place <laughs> in your life and this and that. And I think working on your mindset right now is just, it's just a way to create good habits. Once we get back into the swing of whatever things look like when we're mm-hmm. done. I mean, mm. you're
1: absolutely right. Um, I think, um, you know, I want to be careful with how I word this because um, it's a pandemic. People are sick. It is a big, big deal. Um, and those of us who are blessed enough to be healthy mm-hmm. um, don't have to take on any guilt for being healthy. Don't have to take on any guilt for, like, being at a low from, you know, kind of having the feet knocked on, out from under us. Um but we can work on our mindset. We can do those things. Um, and I just want to, listener, relieve you of any guilt you have for not having done enough. We, this is, you know, I grew up in a time where I thought, awesome, there's no major wars in my country, you know, no Great Depression, none of these things that I read about in history. Our stuff is for real. That like that you know if you look outside your window and t- like this is our war time like the, these these yeah. are these are this is what's going to be in the history books about living in this time this is serious know, yo. so you don't need to feel like you know I got nothing done and you know and I see all of my colleagues who are writing books and and you know teaching their children four language like you it's okay what you've gotten done so far is okay and so um. If you wanna to decide today that you're gonna take a little step and journal tomorrow, do that. Hold yourself to it and do that. If it doesn't work, uh do it in the afternoon. You know, don't don't put it off till the next day. That's what I do it in the afternoon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love what you said about the menu of things because I do, I get the same way. Like I'm, I get them to be perfectionists and I think, okay, well I'm going to wake up and journal with my hot lemon water and then I'm going to have coffee and meditate and then I'm going to work out and then, and if I don't do all those things in like a specific order, I'm like, well, it didn't work.
1: And you're disappointed in yourself. Um, if you could switch that to following your bliss that'll help actually um, help you to continue the day following your bliss and give you like wide open eyes to see the open doors. Um, because the crazy, crazy things that I've done have been following my bliss. And I, I know that it was risky, um, but I feel like <sighs> following the things that light your soul on fire. Um, it's a, it's a really cool trail to follow. Um, so in the morning, listener, when you're doing when you're picking out your menu, don't feel like because some guru or or some hero of yours always drinks a you know a green smoothie by eight o'clock in the morning. If you want ginger tea, drink ginger tea. Like do do the thing that's aligned. Do the thing that you know that resonates with you. That's your path. I'm really careful when people ask me about like how to, you know, how did I get to a career in Europe because that path actually doesn't exist anymore. The conservatory I went to, closed. Not there anymore. Mm -hmm. But what it should do is spark inside of you the idea that your path can be unconventional and you can really just listen to you and follow your open doors and get there, get where you're going.
0: Mm. Okay, that's so good. I don't even want to ask any more questions. That was such a beautiful ending. Oh, my God. Um, it, where can you direct people to um, to read your articles, to check out your upcoming workshops? Where do you want to tell everyone to check out?
1: Guys, I live on Instagram. That's where I am. That's where I <laughs> You have a beautiful Instagram,
0: by the way. So I'm absolutely oh, going to check out your Instagram you. course.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I'll be live. Um, And by the time this airs, I'm sure I'll have another one coming up or it'll be um, archives. Um, But I love Instagram. I'm a very visual human. And so that's my favorite social media platform. But I also have a website. It's uh, Sedana.live, And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes. But um, my name is spelled S-I-D-O-N-I-E. And um, I'm the one with the biggest hair. If you're scrolling through and you see lots of people with my name, I'll have the biggest hair the best hair. It's so gorgeous. <laughs> thank you. Um thank you so much for
0: taking your evening in Germany to talk with me in LA in the morning. This has been so cool. Thank you so My much. My pleasure. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. So donnie thank you so much for sitting down with me. Guys, you have to follow her. She has so much good content on her Instagram too. You just got to check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Listen, if you made it this far, I bet you found at least one thing interesting in this podcast. If so, I sure hope that you go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and you click rate and review and write like mm, a couple sentences about how much you enjoyed this podcast and then maybe take a photo and test it up on your Instagram and tag me at Sam Valentine at One Broke Actress. Thank you so much. All right, this podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine, with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative and Helena Santos. Our theme song is by the glorious Maggie Zabo, and I will talk to you guys next.